And we're live with JavaScript Air. Hello, everyone. My name is Kent C. Dodds, and I'm your host for this JavaScript broadcast podcast. And uh, today we're live and on site at ng-conf. Super excited to be here. Really cool stuff going on. Uh, this has been kind of a crazy, awesome conference. Uh, a lot of really interesting things going on here. Um, before, so what we're going to do today is um, I unfortunately won't be taking any questions on uh, Twitter. Uh, this is one of our on-site shows, and so um, I've asked a couple of the speakers and others to uh, join me on the show for about seven minutes at a time, and we'll just do lightning interviews about what it is that they're talking about and other interesting things about uh, what they're what's going on with them, uh, what they're doing. So. Before I get into that, though, um, I want to make sure that I give a special shout out to our sponsors. So first, uh, our premier sponsor is Egghead.io. Uh, uh, they have a huge library of bite-sized training, web development training videos. Check them out for content on JavaScript, Node, Angular, React, and a ton more, and Angular 2. Yay, yay. Uh, Friend and Masters is a recorded uh, expert-led workshop with courses on advanced JavaScript, asynchronous and functional JS, and other great courses on front-end topics. Uh, check them out at frontendmasters.com. And TrackJS reports bugs in your JavaScript before your customers notice them. And with their telemetry timeline, you'll have the context you need to actually fix the bugs. Check them out and start tracking errors today at um, trackjs.com. And SparkPost is an email delivery is email delivery built for developers. Uh, build something awesome with their Node.js library or SMTP relay. Start sending 100,000 emails today for free at sparkpost.com slash JSAir. And then WebStorm is a powerful JavaScript IDE. It makes developers more productive with its super intelligent code assistance for JavaScript, Node.js, uh, Node Angular, and React, and integration with lots of different tools. Check them out at jetbrains.com slash WebStorm. Uh, now, before I invite our first guest in, which you probably, if you're watching, you may have noticed he's his reflection has been in the mirror a couple of times. But uh, um, I just want to say that this is a weekly show. And so next week, um, we will be having a show that I'm actually really, really excited about. Not to say that I'm not excited about all of them, but this one in particular, I'm really excited about. It is inclusiveness. And we'll be joined by, um, I, I'm sure I'm butchering her name, but um, Omoju Miller. Um, and so that will be Wednesday, May 11th at 12 Central, uh, the normal time for our shows. Okay, great. So now let's go ahead and invite Sam on uh, to join us. Hi, Sam. <laughs> there <you go>. Hey, Ken. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's kind of weird. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. So, Sam. Thanks. Um, why don't you give? Sorry, I should call you Samuel. Yeah, Samuel. Um, my apologies. I, I was actually hoping that you would join us with uh, your traditional beanie on your face, but that didn't happen. No, it's just got a little tired. A lot of people today. So yeah, I need to take a break. Got it, got it. So, <laughs> so I'm filling in. You know, good for you, good for you. So, um, Samuel, why don't you give us a, a quick intro to yourself? Tell us who you are, where you work, what you're interested in. Sure. Uh, my name's Sam Sacconi. I'm a software engineer at Google. Um, and yeah, I work at a keyboard pretty much most of the day. So that's pretty good. Sweet. You do a lot of performance stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, I like to look at why things are slow. Um, measuring performance, figuring out what's going on, trying to help people to make their stuff fast. Cool. Yeah, awesome. So uh, your talk here is about promises. Um, I, I think it's entitled, uh, you're probably old or younger than promises, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a history of promises from 1961 to 
present day. So how we got from this pretty abstract idea in the 60s to landing in ES 2015. I'm definitely younger than Promises. Very cool. So um, is there anything in particular that kind of stands out in the history of Promises? Like what, um, is there, was there any moment in time that it, we may not have been blessed with this wonderful API? Yeah, I mean, Promises were rejected as a spec uh, in 2011, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the committee, uh, TC39, actually thought it was too high-minded and too sort of intellectual of a concept to bring into browsers and there was no community buy-in and everyone was like, no, it doesn't seem like this would be a good thing. So for a long time, promises weren't going to land. And mm -hmm. it's thanks to uh, work that Dominic did uh, with the A plus promise spec uh, that really got community buy-in and showed TC39 that there was a desire for this API and basically agreement from the community that this was the way that it should work. And so that's basically why we ended up with promises in JavaScript today. Very interesting. Wow. Um... So what what are like you mentioned uh, when you said that that uh, they thought it was a little too high minded like too more like abstract of a concept I guess um, but it seems like they're exploring a lot more uh, things that are more like that like observables and and other things that are coming down uh, like decorators and those kinds of things um, what are your thoughts about like those things that are a little bit more um, abstract as well well I think it's important that we look to the past and see the problems that we're trying to solve today, how they've been solved already. Uh, and promises are a good example of that. Like we've had this problem in computer science since the 60s and people have solved it. And then in JavaScript, uh, instead of ignoring what's been done before us, we look to the past and sort of lean on that. And we see the same thing happening with the new module format that's being heavily debated on the internet. Uh, like, why are we inventing something new? Why can't we borrow what's been done before? Uh, and that will always be, I think, a good choice for the JavaScript community. And these new these new concepts that TC39 is looking at, they're just ideas that have existed for a long time. And in some ways, the JavaScript community is maturing to, to these ideas say, oh, yeah, I guess there is a lot of value in these things that have been solved. And maybe we should look to the past and see how we can learn from it to make our stuff better. That was profound. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Cool. So um, do you see an end to the development? I know, sorry, we're not really talking about promises, but you're like really interesting right now. So uh, do you see like an end to the things that we're um, going to be adding to the language? Like, are, are we going to add an abstraction on top of uh, on top of even promises? Well, actually, yeah, we kind of are um, with async await. But like, is there an end to adding things to JavaScript? Oh, that's that's a hard question. I think that there will always be sort of a fixed set of problems and developer pain points. And as we build more and more complex web applications, we're going to run into new things. Like a lot of the issues that we're hitting today with modules and everything um, in years, JavaScript development was so different that these problems weren't even in people's minds. So I think the evolution of JavaScript will be tightly paired with building more and more complex things. And that will drive future development of the language, which I think is a great thing for everyone. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like we're we're kind of stuck with this language, right? Like we we have to keep all of the existing features. We can't just say, okay, now we're uh, we can just look at today and see. Let's build a brand new language that has all the features that we want. Um, you know, some people are trying to do that with compile to JavaScript languages. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting that we you know as we add things to the language, you know, because our assumptions have now changed. We can't take things away that no longer really are, are useful in the way that we're trying to solve problems today. 
yeah, that's I mean, the backwards compatibility story with JavaScript. Obviously, uh, ES 2015 was the first breaking unpolyfillable update. Uh, and, you know, Babel saw that and Babel fought that uh, for a while. But there simply is some syntax that will not work in the browser. There's no way to polyfill it. Uh, so, like, that's why TC39 exists. And that's why it takes so long for these features to land. Because they want to make sure that they don't make a mistake. Mm. And sure, mistakes have been made in the spec. And, like, with tail call, they're looking at revising tail call spec right now because of the way that stack traces are discarded, um, which is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, like, we're stuck with what we have that's correct, but like I think the future is bright for what JavaScript is going to provide us natively. Cool. I agree with you. Future is bright. <laughs> awesome. Um, Sam, thank you very much for joining me. Sure, man. And uh, we'll me on. see you around the rest of the conference. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks. All right. So now we have Taro coming up. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Taro, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Join me. Hello. Taro has actually been on um, my shows before. I think you've actually been on um, Angular Air at least twice. Twice, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were at uh, my very first on-site show at NGNL. That's right, yeah. I remember that. And then uh, we did another show about people who used React and Angular too, and just kind of comparing the two. Really interesting stuff. Yeah, that was an interesting show. Yeah. yeah. Go check those out. Uh, so. Uh, today we're on JavaScript Air at ng-conf, and you gave a really interesting talk. I, so I say that it was really interesting. I must confess, I have yet to actually watch the talk. All right. <laughs> but I have seen some goings-on on Twitter, and I read the abstract, um, and mm -hmm. I'd like to know more. So uh, can you tell us uh, what was your talk called, and what, what did you do? So my talk was called Generative Art in Angular 2. And uh, it was really about you know using Angular for something that people don't usually use it for, which is to make something that doesn't make any business sense, whatever. It's just for playing and doing something interesting mm -hmm. and to experiment with it in order to just have fun with it, but also to kind of learn it. Learn it kind of in a sneaky way that you don't actually sit down and study, but you just play with things and, and just learning. Learning just happens when you're doing that. Now, that is a really good way to learn things, I think. Yeah, that's what children do. So that that's how I kind of, connected it to to playing, making art, basically, because it's actually not my original idea. I got it from Brian Eno, who's one of these generative artists. And, and he has talked about this, that children learn by playing, and they, but they don't think like that. They don't say, I'm going to learn how to do this or that, and I'm going to play. It's, it's just built into them. That, that, that That's how they learn to communicate with each other and do all kinds of things that make them you know, uh, able to operate in the world by playing. And that same idea can be applied as an adult as well, but we, most of us don't really do that because it doesn't seem like a proper thing to do to, to just play with stuff as an adult. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, like we always feel like we have to be making a huge difference in the world. Like yeah. if, if we're not making a gigantic, enormous impact on the world, then it, it's not worth our time. But Exactly, yeah. I care time because we're learning. It is, yeah. Uh, Raquel uh, Vasquez, I think is her last name. She was recently on an episode of the Change Blog where she talked about um, how she learned math and and mm -hmm. as as a um, like a high schooler or whatever. She like, why do I need to learn this stuff? And they'd always just say, oh, you just learn it. Yeah. But uh, eventually, she realized that uh, she could motivate other people to uh, be interested in learning math by showing them robots and how like the cool mm -hmm. things you can do with robots and so like not approach it from the aspect of 
Well, okay, you have to understand calculus because this uh, servo needs to do this crazy thing. Yeah, it's it's more like I want this robot to move over here. Right. So what do I need to do to make that happen? And it's fun at that point. Exactly. So it's it's kind of a problem solving approach. You you have this thing you want to do, and then you figure out how you how you do it. So I, I want to make sounds in the browser, so I have to learn the Web Audio API. Or I need to make these sounds happen over time. I need to learn uh, observables in order to do that. So Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, so, Turtle, I actually, I apologize. I didn't give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, who you are, and, and that kind of thing when we started. <laughs> so we're going to do things a little bit backwards. Um, do you want to just go ahead and, and give a shout out to who you are? Where, where can people follow you? Um, that sure. kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Tero Parvianen. I'm a JavaScript front-end developer from, from Helsinki. I do contracting over there on, on basically doing front-end work for the past few years. And I've, I'm pretty heavily these days involved in the JavaScript uh, and, or Angular community, really, mostly, because I, I've been writing this book called Build Your Own Angular JS for a couple of years now, which I just uh, dropped, uh, lifted the beta label, label off uh, a couple of days ago, finally. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I've been doing that, and um, then I've been submitting things to conferences, which takes me to places like Salt Lake City occasionally. Yeah, awesome. This was, was actually kind of interesting because this in February or March, and I was thinking, should I actually submit? Because I kind of don't want to, because it'll blow my whole schedule for the spring, because I have to prepare for weeks and weeks. So yeah. I'll propose something I'll, that probably won't get... Uh, accepted <laughs> whoops <laughs> and then they accepted it so i had to do it but it, it was so that it, if it gets accepted I, it's something i really want to do so that that worked out pretty well very good awesome well um i think i'm going to listen to you saying your name over and over again so i can eventually <laughs> pronounce your name properly but taro thank you very much for coming on thank you um and i'll see you around the rest of the conference Definitely. thank you all right and we have mike now don't forget to hold the mic really close to your face. Thanks for coming, Mike. Thank you for having me. Okay, so, um, Mike, now, I can, is it Bronchi? Bron it's actually Brocky. Brockney. Brocky. Oh, Brocky. Okay, yes. I was like, there's no N in there. No, 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 no <laughs> N at all. Cool. Uh, so, Mike, uh, why don't you give us a quick intro to who you are, and then we can talk about what you're here for. Sure. Um, my name is Mike Brocky. I am originally from outside Philadelphia. I live now, now outside of Pittsburgh. I work for a consulting company. We do mostly Microsoft work, although I predominantly focus on the front end with Angular, hence me being here today. Uh, we're out here at ng-conf, and that's pretty much it. I've been contributing to the Angular CLI, which is what I'm here at ng-conf to talk about tomorrow. Yeah, and you have one of the most interesting talk titles of, <laughs> of the lineup today. It's uh, Learning Klingon, is that right? That is correct. It's called Learn, Learn Klingon. Um, which is just a play on letters just to be able to say that it's the CLI for NG. Um, that's just uh, leading, it's a lead into the second slide in my deck. <laughs> nice. Very, very well played. Well played. It makes people really interested to read your abstract. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because just based off the title, nobody has any idea what it's about. Yeah, actually, though, you got to be careful around here because Star Wars is uh, all over the place around here. So that was the main thing I was very nervous about when my talk was accepted is... My talk going to be on Wednesday and have a talk in about Star Trek in terms of title on Star Wars Day, which would have just been total chaos and total confusion for everyone. Close call. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually a Trekkie, so you, you're friends with me. Um, so, okay, enough with that. Why don't we actually talk about uh, the Angular CLI and, and what it is that you're here for? 
Sure. So the Angular CLI is a command line interface for Angular um, to be able to scaffold up a project, build that out, and build, test, run, generate different pieces of your application, and manage the application through its lifecycle from inception all the way through production, including deployment steps. That is amazing. So there's this big JavaScript fatigue thing going on, and the idea behind Angular CLI is to kind of blow that away, right? It definitely helps with a lot of that. There's a lot of new technology out there in terms of System.js, Webpack, Browserify, all these different tooling technologies that people want to get into doing front-end front end, front end development. And there's a lot of other roadblocks in the way preventing people from getting into just writing code because a lot of people will spend a lot of their time starting up a project, getting involved with the build process when it doesn't really help your end users or your development of an application. Your end users never really asked, hey, are you using Webpack? Are you using Browserify? Well, I don't know. Mine, always. Okay, apologies. We dropped out there for a second. Um, I'm not sure exactly when we dropped down in our conversation. That has never happened uh, during an on-site show. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, the CLI doesn't really handle uh, internet connections. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can't really totally rely on conference Wi-Fi. Yeah, that is true. Actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying the hotel Wi-Fi, but, you know, that's... That's just that happens sometimes. I will probably invest in like a hotspot or something in the future. Okay, so um, sorry to totally derail what you're talking about, but I did want to ask um, the origins of the Angular CLI. It was uh, kind of a fork from Ember CLI. Is that right? Sort of. It's not really a fork, and essentially, it's an add-on to the Ember CLI. Oh, really? So Ember CLI is very extensible. So we are building on top. Of that, even a lot of the, or some of the commands under the hoods are actually Ember C, uh, commands from the Ember CLI, CLI. But we override a lot of it and uh, kind of mask that functionality and build on top of what they've already produced, which is phenomenal. Uh, all the parameter parsing uh, commands, tasks, everything under the hoods is uh, very well put together. And yeah, very cool. I I think and um, if I understand correctly, uh, there was actually help from the Ember team at like when things were getting started. Is that right? Yeah, that, so I wasn't there from inception of the project. Um, things were pretty well set when I got involved with the project about four or five months ago. But I've had some interactions. Uh, I've jumped into the Ember CLI community Slack channel and got some help in terms of answering questions of things that I was trying to solve that they have already solved. So to get help from that community was incredible. That's awesome. I love it. JavaScript's the best. Cool. Um, so, Mike, before we say goodbye, is there anything else that you'd like to mention? Uh, no, uh, my talk has not yet happened. So if you haven't seen it, uh, tune in tomorrow. It's uh, local time around 11 o'clock tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And next, we have uh, Scott, Scott Ups. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Scott. What's up, everybody? So, um, yeah. Let's see. So, Scott, um, before we get into why you're here and um, everything, why don't we just get an intro to you? Um, my name is Scott, Scott Moss. Uh, I live in the Bay Area. I'm a front-end engineer at Udacity, where I do front-end things. <laughs> uh, ah, yeah, right? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, um, and also the co-founder of Angular Class, uh, along with Patrick, and we do, like, Angular, or pretty much just Java, JavaScript, uh, corporate training, and, and, and weekend training and stuff like that. Sweet. And you were also on Angular Air as a, pod, uh, a panelist for a while, right? Yeah, I was on Angular Air for a panelist for a while until things got busy. So, yeah. Yeah, life gets busy life sometimes. Gets busy. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. Uh, so, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're here? Yours was Angular 2 for the rest of us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, my talk is inspired from my own experience. Um, I was learning Angular 2. Uh, I started learning like pre-alpha, and I was just like, uh, I don't know if this is ready for. It. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. Like, it's <laughs> you know, I'm I'm more of a, a productivity type of guy. Like, it has to be. Like it has to be a finished product for me to use it. Like I, I don't want to get into the, the beginning stages of it, but I tried it anyway and it was really tough. Uh, so I kind of backed away from it and then I revisited again once the beta was released and I was like scared. I was just like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on here. You know, it's very overwhelming for me and I really don't get overwhelmed a lot, but I was very overwhelmed. There's a lot of new technologies being thrown at me, uh, but it, it, I wasn't gonna let it stop me. So I decided to build something you know, not, not like a traditional MVC to, you know, to do MVC, but like something really big. And I was like, I'm going to build something. This is how I'm going to learn it. So the talk is like my journey of, of how all, all the things I went through to learn it uh, from a different perspective, other than like read the docs and then you'll get it type of thing. Yeah. I think that's a, a good way to go about it. We just had Taro on and, and he was talking about how um, you learn by uh, building things that are interesting to you. Yes. So very cool. Yep. Um, so what, uh, what are some of the, the, things that like tripped you up the most as you were learning angular 2 um oof. i would say the biggest thing for me actually was angular 2 it was actually typescript um like i was just i looked at typescript from a from a different lens uh and i didn't like it uh once i found a different perspective and looked at it differently i loved it and now like i recommend using it for everything uh, so that was probably the biggest thing for me was, was that um and then of course um, just lack of documentation. It was beta, right? I mean, there, there's, there's nothing there. There's not a lot of blog posts. There's not a lot of resources, not a lot of videos. Uh, so everybody's still trying to figure things out. Uh, so you kind of got to figure it out yourself too. Um, so that was kind of hard. And then I would say the third thing was actually like diving into the source code. That's always my next thing to do is like just get in the source code and, and try to get inside the, the Angular team's head and figure out why they made these decisions so I can be a little more predictable and kind of understand the syntax a little bit. But that was kind of scary too, because I was like, oh wait, there's like darts. Whoa, whoa hold on, what's going on? There's all this <laughs> oh, yeah, stuff going yeah. on. Uh, and it was really confusing. And to that me. was all TypeScript too. And right? now it's all TypeScript. And I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, this this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. So yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of challenges. Yeah, so hopefully people who watch your talk and, and go to learn it will have a little bit better of a documentation story. And yeah. yeah. So on the TypeScript thing, like I still haven't gone full bore on, on TypeScript yet. Um, what were some of the, like, was it more the ES6 side of things? Or you, you were pretty familiar with ES6 yeah. before, right? So right. what was it about TypeScript that made it difficult for you? I think it was just like, I was just hesitant to do it. I, I've, I've done Android development with Java. Uh, and it felt like that. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. This is not, you know, I came to JavaScript, so I don't, I don't want to do that. And that's what it felt like. And I was just like, no, you know, I'm in love with ES6 and this is what I want to do. Uh, and at the time when I was learning TypeScript, uh, it was pre-TypeScript 1.5. So they didn't have a lot of ES6 features. Oh, right. Time, yeah, yeah. Right? That was so, dark days. Right? Yeah, it was dark days. <laughs> so I was just like, no, I don't want to import my modules like that. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, so it was kind of scary for me. Um, so it wasn't the ES6, it was just like, you know, pretty much, you know, I was just like, well, I'm in a functional programming now. Like, I don't want to, you know, use classes for everything. Uh, and um, it was just like really scared for me. I felt like I was walking backwards almost. I didn't really see the value of TypeScript. Uh, but I think, you know, once 1.5 came out uh, and then I actually used it with Angular, I was just like, oh, okay, this is awesome. Because, I mean, realistically, if you don't use any of the typing features or the, you know, the, the interfaces or anything, it's really just ES2015 with decorators like that's really you can use it just like that and like be fine and you and that's pretty much how i started i like started with that mm -hmm. and then you know eventually i started adding in more typescript features but i just started off I was like i'm just gonna write pure es6 using the decorators and that's it and that's how i started and it was easy 
Yeah, that's a, a, a seems like a pretty solid approach. Yeah. Uh, so, with uh, um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it worked out for me. Like without that approach, I would have been like, nah, I'm not doing. I'm not doing Thai trip. No, no. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I I think that may be something that uh, I should I should probably give give a yeah. look at. But I remember the thing. So you were you were talking about how you're a functional programmer. Um, I, I like to think of myself as a functional program. I like, <laughs> right? so, um, and try to keep things uh, like pure functions. So, um, with, with Angular 2, it's like pretty much everything's a class, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, how has that transitioned for you? Like, are you totally bought into the classes? Like, do you have to give up functional programming to use classes? Oh, definitely not. Like, uh, so I've been using React like exclusively for like a year now. So, like, it's pretty much everything's. It's like anyway for using you know ES two thousand fifteen or whatever. So I kind of already had that that uh, acceptance of like our these this functional aspect of it. Just because you use classes doesn't mean you're going to be doing like inheritance. You know, there's a big difference there. Like you know, big difference. Big difference. Like, and like, should I say deep difference? Like <laughs> deep difference, right? Yeah, it's a really deep difference. Like okay, these components might be classes, but you're. I mean, I haven't seen a pattern in anger too where you're going to be inheriting you know much stuff you're using typescript you might you know implement some interface but you're probably not going to be in a hair maybe maybe not so once i figured out that distinction and like really these classes are just a great way to define them i was like well that just leaves me free to program however i want functional or not functional so like that that was easy for me solid so cool anything else that you want to bring up before we say goodbye um yes um if you know anger one very well and you think that's going to help you with anger too um you're gonna to be mistaken because <laughs> because it's nice. not honestly if i didn't use react exclusively for like a year i don't know if anger 2 would have made as much sense to me as it does now so like that kind of helped me a lot and i'm glad uh react and angular team like collaborated on angular 2 because it's, it's it shines like in fact me learning anger 2 was just a lot of like okay this is how i do this in react how I do it in anger 2 and it was just like boom really if i didn't have that comparison i would have been like so lost so lost so yeah, it's a lot of the like the component model. Um, yeah, yeah, the component very model, cool. inputs, outputs, stuff like that with props. Like it's all like the same thing. Yeah, very cool. Awesome, Scott. Thanks for coming to the show. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, we'll see you around the conference. Sweet. Thanks, man. Yep. And next we have Alyssa. Sergio, you want to come on? Alyssa, Alyssa is joined by a, a friend here. Oh, middle. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you come on. Sit in the middle. And we've got Sergio and Alyssa. Yeah. So say hi. Hello. Um, so this, Hello. this microphone is not powerful enough to pick you up if it's even like this far. Okay, so, so make sure you do you, one of these yeah, numbers. Make sure you, you pass it back and forth. Okay, so Alyssa, let's get a quick intro to you. Okay. So who are you? Where do you work? What do you do? Cool, yeah. So Alyssa Nichol, I used to work for Code School. This week, I don't. I work for a company called Weave Up. Congratulations. I wanted to be a real developer. So, <laughs> so well, a little explanation there, I suppose. I went on the content team, and I got to develop a little bit, but um, I wanted to be a real developer and do it full-time. So now I'm at a small startup. I'm their fourth dev, and it's like an Angular Ruby on Rails stack, and I really love it. So, yeah. Cool. Sergio, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So, um. I guess a developer out of Orlando. I work for Code School. I still work for Code School. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Unlike some traders. No, I'm just kidding. 
there. <laughs> be happy for Alyssa. But yeah, so developed there. I help produce content as well, and so involved in with podcasts and courses and all of that kind of stuff. I guess I, I think that's the gist of it. Yeah, I listened to the five minutes of JavaScript podcast from Code School. It's awesome. I've heard oh. both of you on there. So thank you. Yeah, very cool. So Alyssa, um, your talk. You're going to have to remind me because I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, no, it's I did it like just now uh, ish. It was from one to 120 and it was wanting it all versus being great all right so, i was actually really interested in this talk oh, and I, i'm yeah. sorry that i missed it i will watch it later they um they did talk about me doing it again actually so very cool we'll see uh but yeah it was an inspirational like softer talk uh but i submitted like five so you know there were tech talks in there but that one got selected so. very cool so why don't you tell us a little bit about like kind of the premise of your talk yeah, no, the premise of my talk is that we only have so much time in our lives. And so um, admitting that sad, beautiful fact that we're never going to be able to do it all, uh, if you admit it and you embrace it, and that will set you free. And I talk about some pitfalls on our way to greatness and um, just calling and surrendering things in order to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that is exactly why I don't do um, both JavaScript era and Angular era. I just don't have time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, that um, I think that is something that our community really needs to uh, like. The JavaScript community is just moving so dang fast. It's crazy. It no, that was one of the things I mentioned is like we're constantly being inundated with like all of this information, whether it's like new frameworks, new conventions, new whatever. And so um, being able to like draw that line for yourself and pick those like one, two, maybe three things that are most important to you. I left code school, right? Like I loved it there. It was an amazing job, had great perks and benefits. I had all my friends. I was comfortable. It was safe. But at the end of the day, I wasn't growing, right? Like I was comfortable and um, I just, I had to get somewhere that I was challenged because speaking at conferences and like being a developer and sharing my knowledge with the world, like that's my number one. And so I just have to do, even if it's scary or nauseous or terrifying, honestly, I had to do it. And I think that others just have to like find a way to work through your fear because that's something I hear over and over again is that fear holds people back. Totally, yeah. Sergio, what um, as you're like, teaching people um you know as as a like a teacher at code school yep. what what are some of the things that you see new developers really struggling with with regards to this like i i see a lot of new developers who are really passionate want to get into it and just like be it all right so Absolutely. what are your thoughts on that yeah so we just put out the our first react course at code school and that was a decision we had to make from the beginning right when you look at react there's so much noise right there's you know what how are you going to build it are you going to use webpack are you going to use system js right and what about that jsx thing so um i think the the main thing they struggle with is you know not knowing not having that clear path to become a real developer right <laughs> like like Alyssa puts it um so yeah, you know, because it's it's like Alyssa says, you're just bombarded with a bunch of stuff. And when you're starting out, how do you know what's important and what's not? Right? So so that's one of the things that we really take pride at Code School is, you know, just giving you just enough so that you can, you know, now understand the documentation a little better and get into the build tools and whatever other fancy, you know, thing you need. But absolutely, like just, you know trying to do too many things at once, I would say is the number one thing people might struggle with, I yeah. think. I, I think uh, Pete Hunt has a um, how to learn React guide. Have you seen that on GitHub? I'll see if I can find a link to it. I think it. I have, I think yeah. I have. And, it was really and good. He basically talks about mm -hmm. that. He's like, okay, 
start here at the top and learn these things until like you feel like you've covered your use cases and if you get to your use cases don't continue down this list yeah and so like further on down the list is flex and redux and um relay and that kind of thing because most use cases don't really apply to those things. And, and yeah. I think we get really overwhelmed when we see, oh my goodness, I have to do all this stuff to build an app. Yeah, you kind of have to take out like your developer hat and like really put on like the teacher hat because as a developer engineer, um, I go for accuracy, right? I want you to know everything. Yeah, yeah, I totally right? get that, yeah. So right now we're working on an Angular 2 course and we're just going through the same process, right? Like one thing that we're discussing right now, if we should, whether like cover the router or not. And as a developer, I'm like, how are you gonna do Angular 2 without a router? Totally. Right, but then when I start thinking, you know, cause we make so many assumptions when you already know things, you know? <laughs> To speak off of that, that was one of the, I think, challenges of being a content developer there was like, I wanted so badly because I'm like super interested in learning everything, right? And so I'm like, well, why wouldn't our students want to learn about this, this, and that really small thing? And so totally, yep. we're constantly asking ourselves um, at Code School the question of like, is this applicable, like directly applicable for our students? And sometimes we even have to make the hard calls where it kind of is, but not 100% of the time, um, just to make the best course with like, you know just like bite-sized content enough to get them started and going so yeah. bite-sized content egghead io <laughs> egghead gotcha very good uh cool um i think that's that's all the time that we have but i am definitely going to be checking out your talk that's awesome um uh, thank you for giving it and yeah, thanks for being thank here thank you so much we'll see you around thank you next we have aisha goal thank you and I'm pretty sure I pronounced your name correctly. Is that right? <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Here, go ahead and take a seat here. Great. So, um, I should go. What? I, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna try with your last name. What? How do you pronounce your last name? I thought my last name is easier. Yunet. Yunet. Okay. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's alright. Cool. So, um, let's uh, get a quick intro to you. Who you are? Uh, where do you work? What do you care about? Uh, so I work as a uh, full-stack software engineer at um, Autodesk, and uh, I work on their H360 platform. And I'm also the CTO of AnyCannons, which is a, a nonprofit organization teaching human trafficking survivors how to code. That, that's what I was trying to draw out of you. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I, I just think that's something that our community really needs. Uh, I want to hear more about that. Uh, sure. Thanks. For asking, um, so it's uh, it's a great initiative actually that we have. This is our first cohort, and uh, we have great supporters uh, in the you know Bay Area. And this is our first class, but our um, main goal is to make our curriculum available everywhere, so anyone who wants to have a similar program can access to it. And it actually started. I mean, my involvement with it started with um, teaching at prison. And I saw how people who had no uh, technical background, had no experience even using a computer, uh, get to learn so much in uh, like six months. And it was super impressive. So I thought we should give this opportunity to people who've been suffered before. That's so awesome. I think we could fill an entire show about that. Um, so why don't, uh, let's transition though to uh, what, what you're here at ng-comp for. Uh, what are you doing here for? Uh, well, I'm here <laughs> to meet people, enjoy my time. But uh, other than that, I'm talking about pipes tomorrow at 9.30. Um, 
Yeah. Nice and early in the morning. Yes, yes. Before everyone's awake, before everyone had their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a good crowd for you, I'm sure. Yes, it's it's just quite amazing. Uh, huge stage and so exciting to be here. Yeah, ton of people. I think there are 1,400 people here or something like that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big conference. No pressure. Sorry, no I shouldn't pressure, have. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to do great. Um, so um, what what are some of the like um, concepts about pipes that make them so much more in, exciting than uh, or, or like a big upgrade to f uh, filters? Uh, for me, well, it's, there's a huge performance is issue. Uh, so um, there's um, asynchronicity. I have so much pressure now. We have, yeah, we, we um, have a couple of Angular team members <laughs> here. Fred Green just walked in. <laughs> oh, you can see them. Oh, yeah, you can see them in the reflection. <laughs> <laughs> They're next. Yeah, um, yeah well, overall, uh, with Angular 2, I'm super excited, mostly for the uh, performance boost that we got. And uh, I've been uh, writing um, Angular 2 code now at Autodesk, and it's been great, and I love it. I want to share my excitement. Very cool. So is there anything in particular that uh, you're going to be uh, calling out or, or like how is your talk going to go down? Are you going to live code stuff? Are you just uh, or are you going to show diagrams? How, how is that going to go down? Um, so uh, I want to keep the surprise, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can do um, that. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, my main uh, main idea that I want to, uh, you know, uh, communicate is the uh, pure versus impure pipes and um, I really want to emphasize that, and I will have some examples, but uh, I really shy away from live coding, so uh, hopefully that's I won't okay. Do that. Yeah, not everybody <laughs> likes live coding. Uh, so, um, what are some of the benefits of pure versus impure um, pipes? Uh, first thing is the performance issue, of course. Uh, if you have a pure pipe, uh, you you are not watching for that pipe over and over again, and um, it's so much faster. And um, for the impure pipes, though, um, I really like the async pipe because um, it gives me an opportunity to have the same data structure and not mess with my data structure and uh, show it in a different way in different views. So. Very cool. I'm looking forward to hearing that talk. Thanks. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, like specifically call out on um, whether or not it's related to your talk specifically? Oh, that's a big thing. Yeah, you can say whatever <laughs> you want as long as it's PG. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just so exciting to be here. And thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on, Ashigo. I'll see you around the conference. All right, so we have um, a couple more people here. Come on and have a seat. Yeah, uh, so Jules was our guest here, but we're going we're gonna to bring in a couple more people. We're going to get nice and cozy. So here, can you? Sure, yeah, share. Uh -huh. Good. Oh, that's nice. a lovely setup you got going on there. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Yep. There we go. Now, here. All right. Hello there. Uh, so. Everybody. Hello, everybody. No, no, we're we're good. We're good. We can share. A, we can share yeah. a seat, man. It's we're good. good. Yeah, you know? I hope that anybody who's listening to this right now no, no, no. needs to watch good. Okay, this. Yeah, good. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right, we're a nice, good family here. Um, so, let's uh, before we get into the talk, I, I, we wanted to talk a little bit about Angular community here. Um, and so, before we get into that, I think it'd be nice to get a little intro to each one of you. So we'll go this way. Um, just quick intro: who you are and uh, why you care about Angular. 
that should be easy for you. <laughs> uh, I'm Ishko Heveri. I care about Angular because it's my baby. <laughs> How do you not care about your own baby, right? No, that's very true. <laughs> I care because it lets us do fun things like this conference. Um, it lets us talk to a lot of people who build cool stuff. Yeah. Very cool, yeah. Uh, I care because I think this is one of the most amazing communities I've ever seen around a developer platform, and it's uh, pretty awesome to be a part of it. Yeah, and that's a little bit about what you talked about, right, with uh, the Angular community. That's kind of your role in the Angular community, right, is, is um, you know, developer relations, correct? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, like I said in the keynote, I think it was a... Uh, a fortunate meeting in time where I had been in a state in my career. I had taken some time away from developers. I had spent most of my career in developers, took some time away to do something else at Google and really missed developers and was seeking uh, internally at Google anyone who cared. Um, not not like Android developers or anything, but you know, more around who's writing apps and web apps, especially for big companies. And um, the person that I was working for at the time said, you need to go meet this guy, Brad Green. And that's how I ended up in that conference room. And so it was just like the right time with the right meeting and it was all perfect. Awesome. So what what exactly is your role as a like uh, you know as part of the Angular team? Um well I think that's it's so many things. So I think one it's not just about developer relations or developer advocacy, although that is definitely a part of it, is to make sure that people external to Google are successful with Angular, that we're hearing um, how they're using it, what their problems are, how we can help them. Um, and, and understanding, you know, um, especially large companies who have different problems than, than just uh, JavaScript developers that, or, you know, systems integrators who are doing custom development and those types of things. Um, but my job is also to help the team see things that maybe they haven't looked at before. Um, like I censored Mishko uh, in an article because I didn't think he should say what he was saying. Whoops. Or, <laughs> or I'll bring to light, you know, hey, we might need some marketing around this. Um, I think one of the things that people don't realize, and it's true, I've met so many people here that don't realize it, is the Angular team is a team of engineers. And I think it's so big external to Google that people think it's a Google product with PR and marketing and a legal team and all of these functions that normally are around a product and that doesn't exist. So I think it's, you know, Naomi and Brad and myself who take all of those functions and try to influence the engineers where we can. <laughs> yeah, lots of, <laughs> lots of gratitude over here. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I, I think that's, uh, that's really interesting because I, I know that, um, from some other communities, the fear of Angular being built by Google is that it's like, well, you know, the, Google is going to have a really big influence on this and they're only going to like serve their own use cases. But uh, that's obviously been proven wrong. Brad, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, it's I mean, it's a funny thing. We, we started as an open source project and we did it because Mishko and I wanted to do it. And we had some spare time. So uh, we're busier now. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it is this like a little bit of a, it's not a war, but it's a balancing act for us because like we have to serve our roots in open source and we're very popular inside Google now. And so we have these, these two things, mostly they're aligned, like 95-ish percent it, there's alignment. Um, but you know, there's conflicts and, and especially around tooling, this is something that's very different inside Google than it is on the web. And it's a thing that, I'm, that we're very passionate about bringing these parts closer together. So how much of you know internal and external tooling at Google can we match? Because you know, honestly, we have this problem in that we've built a bunch of interesting tools that only Google uses. And sometimes they're ahead and sometimes they're behind. 
And, and it's just better if there's an open ecosystem where we can prove them out with everybody. It's also nicer if we if we can hire people at Google who know the tools that uh, that we use and they can be successful more quickly. And I think Angular's had a big role in proving that point to Google that this can be a good thing for Google. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because uh, one of the messages I really want to get out this year is that I think there's this notion in the community about Google uh, put the mic Google closing. builds Angular for Google, like that's a bad thing. And and I, and I don't understand it because um, Google is Google, and I know that there's this magical like Google halo, my God, it's Google kind of thing, but we're still just a company, like every other company in the world. We have a legal department, we have marketing, we have HR, we have all of those same business functions that any other company in the world has. And so, yeah, we're building Angular in large part for Google, but those use cases are not different than any other company on the planet that has those use cases. And so my perspective is this is a great thing. It's not a bad thing that we build it for Google and that there's this sort of tension because what we're doing for Google, you can bet is going to work for most every other company on the planet. Cool. Mishko, why don't you talk a little bit about like some of those use cases that you've um, had to really consider when working, uh, trying to cover Google's use cases, which kind of overlaps with everything else. Right. So uh, Google's use cases, um, they have big apps, right? <clears throat> the app you're working on, the green tea, uh, there's 100 engineers or something. I don't even know how many. That's a lot of engineers. On yeah, the <laughs> it's a big app. It's uh, millions of lines of code or something. It's, it's just huge, right? Wow. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And so how do you build a framework so that it can grow with it? You know, it's one thing to be able to like, let me hack something together without types and I know how the whole system works. When you throw 100 people at it, how do you make sure they have a shared mental model of what the app is? That's the hard part, right? And so we wanted to make sure that it also is available for that use case as well. And a lot of times we start actually making sure that the, the complicated use cases work first. And my philosophy is always make sure that the complicated stuff works first. And then go back and say, okay, how can I add sugar to it so that it's easy for everybody else, right? If you start the other way around, oftentimes you get yourself into a trouble. But if you start that direction, it usually works out. I think that's uh, actually uh, like just a good general idea, not just designing a framework, but designing you know, like it, if you know that there will be complicated use cases, because obviously you don't want to, you know, there's the, you ain't going to need it, you know, like philosophies and stuff. But if you know that there are going to be complicated use cases, um, you know, striving to cover those first, and then it, as it just so happens, those will make it simpler in the future as well. I mean, I think this is one of the big challenges we're tackling with Angular 2 is that you know, people want to be able to go from the small, say, on mobile, up to the large because and back to your point you know we have teams who are delivering for the mobile web and i need to i've got a, a tiny team working on it i have to be able to be successful and deliver something that's very svelte and loads quickly all the way up to these very large applications like our crm solution in terms of google and adwords and the cloud platform and all of these big players yeah very very good uh jules do you want to talk a little bit more about um what um community members can do to help uh, with the work that you're trying to do and improve the community um, aspect of, of the Angular uh, community? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, community. Yeah. Um, I think there's so many opportunities for people to contribute back to Angular. I think a lot of the community is under the misguided notion that the only way to really be a contributor is to contribute to core. And that's absolutely not true. In fact, yeah. um, in, 
as Brad just mentioned in our last interview, there is definitely like a line that you can grow from, you know, starting off in Angular and blogging and helping the rest of the community understand Angular to contributing to, uh, you know, side projects that are self associated with Angular. You know, as I mentioned in the keynote, for example, the CLI was largely not done by us. It was done by our community and those are really important and valuable things. And then as you get your feet under you and, and you're sort of, you know, in the community and you've understood Angular too and you're working towards helping everyone else understand Angular too, and then that's when contributing back to the core becomes like the appropriate thing to do. But I definitely think, you know, there's that growth period and there's, there's so many opportunities. And for example, I've had four people come up to me at the conference today and recognize that we need our docs translated. And oh, yeah, yeah. we've had, you know, I've had someone in Mexico offer to do Spanish. I've had someone in India offer to do uh, languages that are specific to India. And we've had, you know, Chinese contributors that are willing to do it in Chinese. And I had somebody from Japan offer today as well. So it's like, fantastic. It's like all these contributions are really valuable. And again, we're an open source framework. So those types of things are not things that Google's going to do for us where, where we're going to do all that ourselves. And so there's just. Get it right. like if we do a yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wind up with Google Translate on the page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not gonna work. It's a little better than that. No, no. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point though. Um, I I have a blog post recently uh, called Open Source Stamina, and in it I basically say you contribute best to something you use regularly. Uh, and so I I think that uh, like that's why some of the open source projects I've had kind of have faded a little bit from my contributions because I don't use them anymore. I'm kind of out of context. But just like you were saying with translations, it's better to have people who actually use it and and speak the language uh, to do those translations. So it sounds like there are a lot of things that that people could do. Is there anything else in particular that um, that people can do to to contribute back to the Angular community? Um, aside from like blogging and contributing to different libraries and, uh, you know, helping us get out there with meetups and building more community. Like bringing Angular to your company and evangelizing it. Yeah. Huge. Sorry. I don't think that anybody can hear sorry. you. In the, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> within, like, you know, even within your own company, like sometimes it's a, you have a small company, you can bring Angular in and teach everybody or be that small seed project that shows people the advantages and how successful you guys can be. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I have one thing that's actually been on my mind, and I don't know how to solve it. Uh, and that is, we're drowning in issues, right? And so there's this huge problem of like just figuring out which of the issues are important, which are, you know, that can wait, uh, which one are actually obsolete, they've already been fixed because some of them have this changed. And uh, I, I don't know how to solve this particular problem. And I was kind of hoping maybe magically the community would, would stand up, but uh, it, there's some, some maybe it's a, it's, a form, it's, a form, it's a form of a or curation. I don't know what the answer is, right? Yeah, but this is an, another interesting area where somebody could help. Yeah, I know uh, the Node project has a similar problem. They, they just get clobbered with issues. And, and they, there's a blog post called Healthy Open Source where they um, have a really interesting approach to managing their community. Uh, but still, like they're, they're just totally clobbered with issues. Um, one other idea, um, I, I used to do this. I don't do this anymore. Maybe I should. But uh, every single day, in the morning, I would go to the Angular 1 issues and I would find an issue and uh, triage it and see, like, is this still an issue? Uh, like, reproduce it, whatever was needed. And I think that's something, like, if we got enough people doing that, that would be a huge deal for the Angular community. You heard it here first. <laughs> Let's Help do that. Mishko, triage issues. <laughs> yeah. Let's put some structure around it first because we don't want everyone triaging the same issue. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I definitely think that there's opportunity for tooling around that. Um, and yeah. You, you got it.
take it away. <laughs> cool. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our community before we say goodbye? Thank you. <laughs> Yay. You know, I the, one of the things that I like the most is, so we love the web platform. And we actually, I think it's not obvious to folks, but we actually love people who think there are our competitors. Like we hang out with the Ember guys and like we're doing the same thing. And so like we're, we're kin folk. Um, and we've worked with them on standards and whatnot. And, you know, I, I want to build a stronger thing with the React team. Like we've already started to work on React Native and on um, Mishka's talk to folks about zones. I think like where we can collaborate across communities is also a wonderful thing. And try to avoid this competitive my things the best if we can. Um, I think there's things to learn from everywhere. And let's, let's be part of a bigger community. That's great. Mishko, did you have anything? I was just going to kind of echo what, what Brad said. You know, I always find it kind of um, liberating doing open source projects because you don't have to compete against anybody, right? It's just like, hey, this is what I love doing and I'm just going to do it whether it's going to be successful or not because it's just my passion. Yeah, I think that's a great point and, and a good thing to end on. So thank you for coming on. Really appreciate Jules. Thanks for dragging these two uh, to come with us. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you around the conference. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and that is our show. So I'll just wrap us up with a couple uh, closing announcements. Um, so yeah, huge thank you to all the people who, who showed up for this show. I think it was a great show um, and learned a lot of really cool things. So yeah, just to wrap up, sorry, we don't have tips and picks today just because the way that things are working. Um, but I uh, wanted to give a shout out to our silver sponsors, O'Reilly Flu uh, Fluent Conf. Auth0 and Trading Technologies. They're awesome. Go check them out. If you have suggestions for us uh, on topics or guests that we should have on the show, go to suggest.javascriptair.com um, and there's a form there you can fill out. If you have feedback for the show, like especially this show, I'd really like to uh, get some feedback on the conference shows. Even if it's just like, you're doing great, keep it up. Go to feedback.javascriptair.com and uh, submit feedback there. And then uh, if you want to sign up, for our weekly newsletter. We send out show notes and show highlights and those kinds of things. Go to jsair.io slash email and you can see previous uh, newsletter emails and uh, uh, sign up for future ones. Um, and then remember next week we have a show uh, called Inclusiveness with Omoju Miller. Uh, it's uh, May 11th at 12 o'clock central time. And with that, uh, that's our show. So thanks everybody. And I'm going to awkwardly stand up and walk over to my computer to click this stop broadcast button. Goodbye. <laughs>